Thank you, Lord, for this time again in your presence. Uh, this morning, I worship the covenant-keeping God, to the one who watches over my soul, to the one who redeemed me to himself. I worship you this morning. Lord, I give you glory. Jesus, I give you glory. Father, I exalt you this morning. Lord, just for who you are, once again, I give you glory. Lord, for making it possible that we can come into your presence this morning. Lord, we give you all the glory in the precious name of Jesus. Lord, we have come to say how much we love you. We have come to express, Lord, the longing of our hearts to be in your presence. Lord, we have come to say, ah, Jesus, receive all the glory in the mighty name of Jesus. As we stay here in your presence this morning, we ask, Lord, that you will speak to us. We ask, Lord, that in your presence uh, there will be fullness of joy in our hearts and in our lives in the name of Jesus. Father, we say thank you. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen. All right. It's a good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time it is that you are joining us in re- in our devotion this morning. I am Murphy Eye Nike sharing devotion with you. Today we will be starting a new book. Yesterday we completed the book of Ezra. Today we start a new book, the book of Nehemiah. Yes, the book of Nehemiah. Quite a wonderful book, like I said. Ezra, Nehemiah, you know, um, Daniel, Agai, Obadiah, Zachariah, all books that focuses on the, hist- the history of the children of Israel about the same time. And most likely, a lot of them were written about the same time. So while Ezra was a teacher and his focus was on, you know, uh, teaching the people, you know, how to restore themselves back to God. And then Zechariah focused on building the temple. Nehemiah's own focus would be on building the wall the wall that surrounds Jerusalem. Very important that you make that distinction. Ezra focuses on restoring the people back to God in their worship. Zechariah focuses on rebuilding, the rebuilding part of the temple. Nehemiah will focus on rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. Now, what can we learn from this book? Quite a lot. First of all, the kind of person that Nehemiah is, is a role model for us. I think anyone can learn, can learn from Nehemiah. His commitment, uh, his faithfulness to, uh, to want to do the work that he had made a commitment uh, to do. Uh, beyond that, you know, Nehemiah was the cupbearer to the king. And I'm telling you, uh, that uh, would, have, it would be uh, a mighty feat. Because they were slaves, remember? They were slaves first in Babylon, and then you had this Persian king, you know, and somehow he had risen to become to become the cupbearer. So while Nehemiah was the cupbearer, Ezra was a teacher to the same king, and of course you know that Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego served some of this king about the same time. The Bible is just so so amazing when you understand how. All of it needs together. You understand the history and you understand what we can learn 
from the stories. So yes, Nehemiah has so much to teach us uh, while rebuilding the wall again and again. Uh, people try to distract Nehemiah from building the temp, uh, from building the wall, but again and again, Nehemiah had to prove his faithfulness in order to focus on the work. And I think that's a big lesson for you and me. You know, while we read this book, I want you to learn what it means for a Christian, a child of God, to stay faithful in the face of um, difficulties, in the face of distraction. Stay focused on God, and God will bless you in Jesus name. All right, please get your Bibles. We'll read three chapters today. Uh, three, if we can, we'll take four chapters and then uh, we will take the book from here. I think the book of Nehemiah has 13 chapters. So uh, in some four to five days, we should be true with this book. It says that these are the memoirs of Nehemiah, son of Akaliah. So that tells you that this book was written by Nehemiah himself. It says that in late autumn, in the month of Kislev, in the twelfth, in the twentieth year of King Artaxerxes, Artaxerxes' reign, I was at the fortress of Susa. Anani, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and about how things were going on in Jerusalem. So uh, you remember that there was a first group that returned, you know, that received that instruction from Cyprus to return to go and build the temple. Okay, that group was led by Zerubbabel. Then there was a second group that returned, okay, uh, that group was led by Ezra, Ezra the teacher. And of course, uh, so it is during that period that Nehemiah is asking uh, from Anani about those who had returned, you know, returned to Jerusalem and how things were going on in Jerusalem. Um, Obviously, you should realize that at this time, Nehemiah was very comfortable. He is the king bearer, and so really, he should not uh, he should not care. But Nehemiah, being the kind of person that he is, quite committed, you know, uh, was not just comfortable in his own success, but wanted the people of God to be successful. Verse three says, "They said to me, things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah." They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. Remember, you know, when we read the accounts, you know, of Ezra, when the first people returned, you know, they continued to have enemies again and again that didn't want them to, first of all, rebuild the temple. And of course, when Ezra himself went, you know, you had people that were resisting him. You know, so yes, there were challenges. He said they had great trouble and disgrace. Anyone, I'm sure, can relate to that. We face great trouble today. We face many, we face many challenges in us pressing forward as, as children of God. We can learn from this story. Verse 4 says that when I had this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. Then I said, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commands, listen to my prayer, look down and see me praying night and day for your people Israel. So yes, what Nehemiah is also doing here 
is what we call the prayer of intercession just the same way ezra did Nehemiah says, I confess that we have sinned against you. You see again, he is identifying with, with, with the people. Identifying, not removing himself from what is going on, but saying, Lord, that look, I confess that we have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. We have sinned terribly by not obeying the commands, decrees and regulations that you gave us through your servant Moses. Please, I remember what you told your servant Moses. If you are faith, unfaithful to me, I will scatter you among the nations. And that's <clears throat> exactly what has happened to the children of Israel. Verse 9 says, But if you return to me and obey my commands and live by them, then even if you are exiled to the ends of the earth, I will bring you back to the place I have chosen for my name to be honored. The people you rescued, verse 10, by your great power and strong hands are your servant. O Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those of us who delight in honoring you. Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put it into his heart to be kind to me. In those days, I was the king, the king's cup bearer. So yes. So I'm thinking while Neymar is saying this prayer, he has made up his mind that he is going to go before the king. Having heard about what was going on in Jerusalem and the struggles the people were, were going through, he had made up his mind that he was going to go and stand before the king to make a request. So he's asking God, please bless bless me and just make this king favorable to me. Obviously the king that Nehemiah is serving is Arthur Zexis. Let's continue. Chapter 2 says, early the, the following, early the following spring, in the month of Nisan, during the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was serving the king his wine. I had never before appeared sad in his presence. So the king asked me, why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. Then I was terrified. But I replied, long live the king. How can I not be sad? For the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins, and the gates have been destroyed by fire. The king asked, well, how can I help you? Uh, with a prayer to the God of heaven, I replied, and I'm telling you, <laughs> so when the king says, how can I help you? I'm sure immediately Nehemiah prays in his heart, Lord, have mercy. Just let this man, you know, um, answer the request that I'm going to give him. And I'm telling you, God will give Nehemiah favor, favor with the king. Verse 5 says, I replied, if it pleases the king and if and if you are pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. Hmm. The king with the queen sitting beside him asked, how long will you be gone? When will you return? After I told him how long I would be gone, the king agreed to my request. Verse 7, I also said to the king, if it pleases the king, let me have letters addressed to the governors of the province west of the Euphrates River, instructing them to let me travel safely through their territories on my way to Judah. And please give me a letter 
addressed to Asaph, the manager of the king's forest, instructing him to give me timber. I will need it to make beams for the gates, for the gates of the temple fortress, for the city walls, and for a house for myself. And the king granted this request because the gracious hand of God was on me. Nehemiah is saying that the reason why the king granted my request is was because the gracious hand of God was on me. Verse 9 says that when I came to the governor of the, of the province west of the Euphrates River, I delivered the king's letter to them. The king I should had had sent along army officers and horsemen to protect me. But when Sambalat at the or Oronite and Tobiah, the Ammonite officials, heard, about, heard of my arrival, they were very displeased that someone had come to help the people of Israel. I'm sure while growing as a Christian, as a young Christian, most of us will have heard about Sambalat and Tobiah. Yes, uh, most of us, definitely. Yes, I grew up as a young Christian hearing about Sambalat and Tobias. You know, when people talk about praying against the council of Ahitophel, Sambalat and Tobiah were in that same line. You know, uh, you, we use them as prayer points that God will defeat our enemies, enemies like Sambalat and Tobias. And that is what these two guys were. They were not happy that someone has come to help you know the first two group who had returned to Jeru to Jerusalem to first of all build the temple and then to restore uh, the spiritual atmosphere there 11 says so I arrived in Jerusalem three days later I slipped out during the night taking only a few orders with me I had not told anyone about the plans God had put in my heart for Jerusalem we took no no pack animals with us except the donkey I was riding. After dark, I went out through the valley gate, past the jackal's wall, and over to the dung gate to inspect the, the broken walls and burned gates. Then I went to the fountain gate and to the king's pool, but my donkey couldn't get through the rubble. So the first thing that Nehemiah does when he arrives the city, he does not tell anybody, but he goes ahead to inspect the extent of the work that he will have to do. And I'm telling you a big, big lessons for me. A lot of us, you know, before we find out the opportunity that is before us, the amount of challenges we have to face, we are already blotting everything out. And I'm telling you, most times for a lot of people, that is where their dream dies. You tell the first two or three people, and as soon as those ones stand against what you are what what you are saying, you are discouraged, and then you feel you shouldn't go forward. So for Nehemiah, Nehemiah knows. If he had got to go and consult the people first, maybe the description and everything that they would have told him would have discouraged him. But no, Nehemiah goes to see everything for himself. And I'm telling you, I'm sure he would have seen the extent of the work that needed to be done. 15 says, so though it was still dark, I went up by the Kidron, the Kidron Valley. I'm sure you have not forgotten this Kidron Valley, this place where they burned so many idols. He says, so though it was still dark, I went up the Kidron valley instead inspecting the wall before I turned back and entered again at the at the valley gate 
verse 16 the city officials did not know i had been out there or what i was doing for i had not yet said anything to anyone about my plans i had not yet spoken to the jewish leaders the priests the nobles the officials or anyone else in the administration but now i said to them you know very well what trouble we are in Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Let us rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. Yes, so why the first group came and, you know, because of the decree of Cyprus that they had, they laid the foundation of the temple, they started building the temple. There was no protection for it, okay? And that's why their enemies could continue to discourage them, attack them, and the, and the work could not progress. When Ezra came, yes, the revival started, but there was no protection for the people. You know, so Nehemiah was sent specifically to rebuild the walls so that the city would be protected. It says then I told them about how the gracious hand of God had been on me and about my conversation with the king they replied at once yes let's rebuild the wall so they began the good work but when Sambalat Tobiah and Geshem the Arab heard of our plan they scoffed contentiously what are you doing are you rebelling against the king they asked I replied the God of heaven will help us succeed we a servant we start rebuilding this wall but you have no share leg no share legal right or historic claim in jerusalem remember don't forget the line that we just read remember who was there geshem the arab the ammonites and all these people but today yes there is still a massive claim over jerusalem but the, the Jews then told them that, look, as we rebuild, you will not have any single claim over Jerusalem. All right, let's try. Let's try and finish this one. Nehemiah chapter 3, the rebuilding of the wall of Jerusalem will start. It says, then, then Eliashib, the high priest and the other priests started to rebuild at the ship gate. They dedicated it and set up its doors, building the wall as far as the tower of the hundred, which they dedicated, and the tower of Ananel. People from the town of Jericho walked next to them, and beyond them was Zachor, son of Imri. The fish gate was built by the sons of uh, Asenaha. They, uh, they laid the beam, set up its doors, and installed its bolts and walls and bars. So what I can see from what Nehemiah is doing is that he has divided the people into different groups. So different groups of people are you know, building different parts of the wall and they are trying to build as fast as they can because they knew uh, as soon as enemies start coming, they will not be able to defend defend the city or defend the temple. Verse 4 says, Merimoth, Moth, son of Uriah and grandson of Akos, have repaired the next section of wall. Beside him were Meshulam, son of Berekiah and grandson of Meshezab, Meshezabel, and then Zadok, son of Bahana. And next were the people from Tekoa, although their leaders refused, refused to work with the construction supervisor. The old city gate was repaired by uh, Joy, Joy, Joy. Joiada, son of Apasia, 
and Meshulam, son of Besodeh Iha. They, they laid the beam, set up its doors, and installed its bolts and bars. Next to them were Malatiah from Gibeon, Jadon from Meronoth, people from Gibeon, and people from Mizpah, the headquarters of the governor of the province west of the Euphrates River. Next was Uzziah, son of Ahahiah, and Ahahiah, a goldsmith by trade, who also worked on the wall. Beyond him was Ananiah, uh, a manufacturer of perfume. They left, uh, out, they left out a section of Jerusalem as they built the broad wall. Raphahiah, son of Or, the leader of half the, the district of Jerusalem, was next to them on the wall. Next, Jedadiah, son of Harum, Harumaf repaired the wall across from his own house, and next to him was Atush, son of Ashebniha. Then came Malkijah, son of Arim, and Ashub, son of Pahath Moab, who repaired another section of the wall and the towel of the hovens. Shalom, son of Alohesh. And his daughters repaired the next session. He was the leader of the other half of the district of Jerusalem. The valley gate was repaired by the people from Zanoha, led by Anon. They set up its doors and installed its bolts and bars. They also repaired the 105. They also repaired the 1,500 feet of wall to the Dong Gate. The Dong Gate was repaired by Malkijah, son of Rechab, the leader of, of the Beth, Beth Akerem district. He rebuilt it, set up its doors, and installed the bolts and bars. The Fountain Gate was repaired by Shalom, son of uh, Kol, Kolhose. Uh, the leader of Mespar district. He rebuilt it, roofed it, set up its doors, and installed its bowls and bars. Then he repaired the wall of the pool of Siloam near the king's garden, and he rebuilt the wall as far as the stairs that descended from the city of David. Next to him was Nehemiah, son of Asbok, the leader of half the district of Beth. Bethzor. He rebuilt the wall from a place across from the tomb of David's family as far as the water reservoir and the house of the warriors. So what I notice here again is that Nehemiah is smart. Okay, He has divided the work and each leader has taken responsibility for building a section of the wall. That way, if you're looking from afar, you know, each section is going up at almost the same time rather than to build, you know, gradually from one end before you get to the other end. Within a short time, they've, you know, the wall is going on. And I think it's a big lesson for anyone if you want to take on a big project and uh, this is one of the best ways you know to go about it you know and you you find out that you have little little success here there and there that will be able to encourage you verse 17 says next to him repairs were made by a group of levites working under the supervision of rehum son of bani then came Ashabiah, the leader of half the tribe of Keilah. 
uh, who supervised the building of the wall on behalf of his own district. Next uh, down the line were his countrymen led by Benoit, a son of Enadad, the leader of the other half of the district of Keila. Next to them, Ezra, son of Jeshua, the leader of Mizpah, repaired another section of the wall across from the accent to the armory near the angle in the wall. Next to him was Baruch, son of Zebiah, who zealously repaired an additional section from the angle to the door, angle to the door of the house of Eli the high priest. Um, Merimoth, son of Uriah and grandson of Akos, rebuilt another section of the wall, extending from the door of Eliashib's house to the end of the house. The next repairs were made by the priests from the surrounding region. After them, Benjamin and Ashub repaired the section across from their house, and Azariah, son of Mehas, Mehas, Sehaya and grandson of Ananiah, you know, repaired the section across from his house. Next was Benue, son of Enadad, who rebuilt another section of the wall from Azariah's house uh, to the angle and the corner. Palal, son of Uzziah, Uzziah, carried on the work from a point opposite the angle and the tower that projects up from the king's upper house beside the court of the guard. Next to him were Pedahiah, son of Parush, uh, with the temple servant living on the hill of Ophel, who repaired the wall as far as a point across from the water gate to the east and the projecting tower. Verse 27, then came the people of Tekoa, who repaired another section across from the great projecting tower and over to the wall of Ophel. Above the horse gate, the priests repaired the wall. Each one repaired the section immediately across from his own house. Next, Zadok, son of Ema, also rebuilt the wall across from his own house, and beyond him was Shemahiah, son of Shekaniah, the gatekeeper of the east gate. Next, Ananiah, son of Shelemiah, and Anon, the sixth son of, of, of Zelaph, repaired another section, while Meshulam, son of Berechiah, rebuilt the wall across from where he lived. Malkijah, one of the ghostsmiths, repaired the wall as far as the housing for the temple servants and merchants across from the inspection gate. Then he continued as far as the upper room at the corner. The other ghostsmiths and merchants repaired the wall from that corner of the ship gate. All right, quite outstanding. You know, the way the project is going, it is going very quickly. And I'm sure, you know, Sambalat and Tobiah were not happy at all. All right, let's just take a part of chapter 4 and see if we we can finish this one. Sambalat, Sambalat was very angry when he learned that we were rebuilding the wall. He flew into a rage and mocked the Jews, saying in front of his friends and the Samarian army officers, what do, does this bunch of poor feeble Jews think they are doing? And I'm telling you, that is how people tend to look at Jews today. 
but I'm telling you, together, when they band together, they are, a they are a mighty force any day. It says, do they think they can build the wall in a single day by just offering a few sacrifices? Do they actually think they can make uh, something of stones from a rubbish heap and charge once at that? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was standing beside him, remarked, that stone wall would collapse if even a fox walked along the top of it. <laughs> <laughs> These guys were mocking those who were, were building. And I'm telling you, uh, we can learn big lessons from there, from here. There are many of us that want to do projects and you have people mocking you. There are many of us that are trying to achieve things. You know, you have people who don't believe in you. You don't need them. The only person you need is to believe in yourself and believe you can do this. Nehemiah and those who are banded together believed that they could be rebuild this wall and rebuilding the wall they did. Verse 4 says that then I prayed, hear us, hear us our God, for we are being mocked. May their scoffing fall back on their own head and may, uh, may they themselves become captives in a foreign land. Do not in, in, ignore their guilt. Do not blot out their sins for they have provoked you to anger here in front of the builders verse 6 at last the wall was completed to half its height around the entire city can you imagine within a short time that nehemiah arrives and i'm telling you this is what a leader can do when you have someone motivating and galvanizing the people together i'm telling you within a short time you can achieve great things whether it's a family whether it's a school whether it's a business whether it's a nation yes it says at last the wall was completed to half its height around the entire city for the people had worked with enthusiasm verse 7 says but when sabalat and tobias Tobiah and the Arabs, Ammonites and Ash, Ashdodites heard that the work was going ahead and that the gaps in the wall of Jerusalem were being repaired. They were furious. They all made plans to come and fight against Jerusalem and throw us into confusion. But we prayed to our God and, and guarded the city day and night to protect ourselves. So you see, they were building and then they had to still be fighting. Verse 10 says, Then the people of Judah began to complain. The workers are getting tired, and there's so much rubble to be moved. We will never be able to build the wall by ourselves. If you are doing any big project, or if you are doing anything that any vision that God has given you, you will always face this challenge. When it seems that what you are doing is bigger than you, that is fine. That is because it is not your vision. When God gives you a vision, it will always be bigger than you. Your home is to continue to carry it as long as God will help you. 11 says, Meanwhile, our enemies were saying, Before they know what's happening, we will swoop down on them and kill them and end their work. The Jews who lived near the enemy enemy came and told us again and again they will come from all directions and attack us okay so they were giving just sending information in trying to discourage the people but thank god for nehemiah 13 says so i placed armed guards behind the lowest part of the wall in the exposed area i stationed the people to stand guard by families armed with swords spears and bows then as i looked over the situation i called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them don't be afraid of the enemy remember the lord who is great and gracious and fight for your brothers your sons your daughters your wives and your homes 
15 says, When our enemies had that we knew of their plans and that God had frustrated them, we, we all returned to our work on the wall. 16. But from then on, only half of my men walked while the other half stood guard with spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. The leaders stationed themselves behind the people of Judah. So, quite outstanding. This guy is just smart, okay? You had a different group who were working, you know, rebuilding the wall. You had a separate group, you know, who were defending them. And because they were being defended, okay, they could focus on what, what they were doing. It says the leaders stationed themselves behind the people of Judah. So the leaders themselves took responsibility and they were the ones in front. 17 says that uh, who uh, says the leaders stationed themselves behind the people of Judah who were building the wall. The laborers carried on their work with one hand supporting their load and one hand holding a weapon. Wow. Okay, so everyone was so committed while they were building, they had their swords on. That look, we will achieve this, we will complete this goal. 18 says, All the builders had a sword belted to their side. The trumpeters stayed with me to sound the alarm. Then I explained to the nobles and the officials and all the people the work is very spread out and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. When you hear the blast of the trumpet rush, to wherever it is standing, then our God will fight for us. Smart guy, we worked early, early and late. You see that they worked early and late from sunrise to sunset, and half the men were always on guard. I also told everyone living outside the walls to stay in Jerusalem. That way, they and their servants could help with guard duties at night and work during the day. During this time, none of us, not I, nor my relatives, nor my servants, nor the guards who were with me even took off our clothes. We carried our weapons with us at all times, even when we went for water. Amazing. So, I'm telling you, Nehemiah is such uh, a big lesson and example to us. Are you confronting or doing a project currently are you trying to go through school you know you are in school just trying to get through school things are so difficult you can't make it even your lecturers are telling you 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 will maybe you will not finish from <clears throat> from this school or are you just trying to do a project and it and look this project seems impossible you know ah uh, yes the Nehemiah could be talking to you or maybe you are listening you're trying to to do a, a building project and it seems impossible learn from Nehemiah. Okay, despite all of the challenges, Nehemiah was able to galvanize the people. Nehemiah was able to organize the people into different groups, okay, into a force so that they could complete the project. I am praying for you today that every project you have in your life will be completed in the mighty name of Jesus. You will not drop out of school. That project will not end halfway. In the name of Jesus, that house will be built, that car will be bought, every project in your life will be completed in the mighty name of Jesus. I declare over you today success, I declare over you today that you will prosper in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen. All right, thank you so much for listening today. God bless you. Enjoy your day.